Ian Collins wants a word. Powered by the Mitsubishi L200. Tough enough to come with a five-year, 125,000-mile warranty. And welcome to our panel, who are here today. Shaw Taylor. Hello. Reginald Bosenkit. Dahlia Lavi. And John Pertwee. Splink. Ian Collins wants a word. What's that, Kev? You want class, witty banter with an underpinning of intellect? Fantastic. Have some of this. On the show, this. But how much does Ian Collins know about Ian Collins? Nadine Doris's Grinsworth of this. Ian, what are you doing? And we'd be left looking more awkward than Dennis Skinner at Black Rod's after-show party if we didn't embellish the programme with lots of this. Yep, I think it's safe to say we've got a beauty on the way. And here he is, the Windsor Davis of podcasting. It is the ex-exec, soon-to-be ex-producer. Oh, I see. <laughs> it's Sideshow Care. We're going down that road, are we, yeah, already? Yeah, it looks that way, doesn't it? All uh, right. Yeah, you all right? Yeah, yeah. Your, your hair looks nice today. <laughs> Thank you. Are you using some new uh, pompadour sheen? Yeah, that's what I'm using. Yeah? Sheen. Pompadour sheen. Jif or sif. Yeah, that was that's an odd, old one, though, isn't it? What, sif? Yeah. Sif and Jif. Did nobody in the PR department say, I think there might be an issue with this? Well, there was another one. Uh, what was it? Yes, that's right. Wasn't it the Kiwi shoe polish that's now called... Yeah, that was it, yeah. It was a bit of a surprise, that Yeah, one. I thought so. Yeah. Clean your boots with this. Kev, have you got questions? It's questions and feedback via social media and email from an angry man eating chips. Uh-huh. What happened to the showbiz shoebox? We'll come to that later on. From yeah. Baz the Man... Are you two mourning over the shock announcement that Sir Alex Ferguson is on his way? He's coming here. Quick, lock really? the door. Is he our guest? No, but I am very surprised at the amount of news coverage it got. I mean, I know in terms of culture, the, there, are, there are times when a, a news agenda does leave convention. And last week it was all a bit grisly in this kidnapping stuff going on and all manner of yeah. Queen's speech, etc. But some of the poem one guy said that his life had ended, essentially. Mm. I was on the radio. He went, that's it now. I don't know what to do. I'm, I'm, that's it. In, in fact, his words were, I live united, I breathe united, I will bereave united. Right. He said, it's more important than my family. That seems... You should mis- have your kids taken away from you. Yeah, that seems a bit misguided. I know people really like oh, football and have said, he's, isn't he yeah. the great... Because you know me, I don't know anything about soccer, but um, I believe that some say he's the greatest manager no, who fair, ever I, lived. I have, yeah, there is no dispute on all of that. You know, his CV is there for all to see, his uh, league titles, cups, etc. All of that, fantastic. Nobody has taken any of that away. But, regardless of whether it's United or some other team, the idea that somebody would say it's actually more important than my I remember when Kevin Keegan left Newcastle, and I remember somebody outside the crowd, usual thing, the, the press went up there, interviewed everybody, yeah. and... One guy said there, he said, this is, uh, he said, I, I love my wife, I love my kids, but I love this club more. Uh, from Tom, with reference to your new feature, Where's Witchell? I'm sure I saw him a couple of weeks ago in my local Aldi buying some cornflakes and a bar of medicated soap. Well, that's interesting. Yeah. 
And then I saw him again on, on the news. Yeah. yeah. I don't think the news counts. Doesn't though. count. I think does you're it? looking yeah, at like it's not real really life. Part of the spirit of the no, future. No, no. I think real life situations. Where do you are see? Better. Yes. So if you spot Nicholas Witchell, mm. the old ginger funster. Kick it around your neck of the woods. Yep. Let us know. We're going to do, you know, on things like um, um, CSI Croydon, they have the um, the big maps and they have the dots and they all hook them up with yep. string. We're going to do that for Nicholas Witchell sightings and we're going to see what sort of a picture it makes. Oddly, we did once do a feature called Did You Ever See Judith Chalmers in the Bahamas? <laughs> Any takers? None. From Luca, who do you think is going to win The Apprentice? I would like to euthanise every one of them. I haven't caught up with it yet. I will do, probably, but I'm trying to avoid spoilers. Did you ever see such a crock of dickweed merchants in all of your days? As I mean, we say it every time The Apprentice comes on. The one thing, and it bugs me more and more, I thought it might wear off, is the, uh, l- yes, Lord Sugar, no, Lord Sugar. Yeah. Three bags full, Lord... What is with the the adventures of Lord Sugar and his friend, Sir Humphrey Lollipop? What the <laughs> f*** is going on there? <laughs> yeah, true. Lord Sugar. He's probably too busy asking people what the football results are on his smartphone, I would imagine. Oh, look, here comes Flora the Flake. <laughs> yes, he loves that, doesn't he, the smartphone question? Uh, yeah, which... Uh, we, we, Anyone know the football results? Yeah. Look yeah. it up on your phone. You own part of a football club still, a little bit. And a crap computer. From somebody calling themselves local bursary cuts. Hi, Ian. Have you ever had hair extensions? I don't understand them. Can you explain? No. I think unless... Why would I have hair extensions? You, you should get that going on. A bit of a mullet. That would look great. A bit great. of Pat Sharp going on. Pat Man. Funhouse is back on TV. Is it? On Challenge. Oh, dear. Yeah. Well, the old ones. Or are they making new no, ones? No, I don't think they're making new ones. No. Those twins are probably about 68 now. They must be knocking on a bit. But hair extensions, I think you either have to spend an awful lot of money on hair extensions so that they look good, because if you try and get them done on the cheap... Uh, like in your local branch of, of Supercuts or whatever. into this? No, but you do see some ropey old hair extensions. Literally, ropey old hair extensions. <laughs> Made of rope. Especially when you're sort of kicking around fashionable parts of London, which I almost never do. But if I did, that's what yeah. I imagine would be the case. Ropey hair detail going on. Ropey hair detail. Yeah. Consider it for next week. I oh, do yeah. remember, actually, that does remind me of a time when you wanted to get highlights, but you wanted to get grey <laughs> highlights. Yes, I did. For I actually wanted to make my hair grey. Yeah. And didn't your, your hairdresser said... We don't do that, but offered to give you a blue rinse or something like that, as I recall. I think she offered something like that. Oh. Stop it. I don't know. Right. But you got some blonde tips, I think. <laughs> Can't it was. remember what I got Yeah, in it looked good, man. Yeah, so, thank you. So the next step is... It's like doing the show with Vidal Sassoon. Hair extensions. It's brilliant. Hair extensions. Yeah. Yeah, I'll go for some of that. Some blonde ones out the back. Yeah, I want to look like Dog the Bounty Hunter by the time this show's finished. I don't know about looking like Dog, but you will look like a cop, <laughs> if that helps. More than usual. Yeah. Newcastle Miles. I just heard the episode in which you played that clip of the woman calling the Australian radio show to say she just saw Leo Sayer in a zoo. <laughs> I was driving at the time and nearly ended up in the front of my local cost cutter. Yeah. Well, here's the thing. Uh, I have got another clip. Have you? Yeah. This is a guy. I think it's the same show. So I was just intrigued as to whether or not you, uh, you know, you got the odd whack job that calls in through the night people that the radio station would rather didn't call in through the night. Mm-hmm. And I wasn't disappointed. you want to hear this? Okay. Okay, here it is. I left a message on Neil Mitchell's uh, producer's show last week, and the reason why I haven't had no response 
in the past 10 to 12 years, of the 20 years or, or more that I've participated in FreeOW programs, I've made about 600 attempts to the Neil Mitchell show. 600 attempts? <laughs> Have you not got the message yet? Let's see how he's getting on. I've made about 600 attempts to the Neil Mitchell show and only three calls have got through. Well, I would say... <laughs> give up! <laughs> yes. I don't I don't think they want you, mate. Sorry. Do you, do you think there's something wrong with him? And I uh, basically have quoted the saying that if there's something I have done wrong at any part of the Neil Mitchell show, yeah, when I've at least attempted to make a phone call or whether he doesn't think I'm... Um, 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 appropriate to participate in his programs, or mm. and I'd hate to think it's anything defamatory or, or deny me the right because of someone they've entertained some obscurity or. or Shut up! <laughs> yes, I think it's just the fact that you sound like that, mate. I, it's not the most interesting voice in the world. It has to be said. Yeah, but isn't it funny to think that when I was on the uh, the other place at Talksport, we we had a a crock of characters that were t- literally the pommy equivalent. Of Macy there. So there you go, Miles in Newcastle. Another for your collection. Yeah. But don't listen to that while you're driving. No. Jonathan says, I was re-listening to episode 17, one of my favourites, David Icke, and there was a section when you were talking about nursery rhymes, in particular, Humpty Dumpty. Well, funnily enough, since the podcast was released, and let's face it, episode 17 was some time ago, yeah. I've come across a true origin of this tale. Andre, give me some true origin of this tale music! Humpty Dumpty was a nickname of a huge cannon placed at a vantage point on top of St Mary's Church by the wall in the town of Colchester during the English Civil War. It was manned successfully by a chap named One-Eyed Jack Thompson until the 14th or the 15th of July, 1648, when the church sustained such heavy damage from the parliamentarians that Thompson and his gun came tumbling down and the cannon could not be raised again. So there you are. I feel like we're educating people now on this Correct. podcast. Well, is that we're going to do a, a, like the origins of nursery rhyme features? No, we'll let Helen and Molly Welcome to BBC that. Radio Kent. <laughs> yes. Next, Pets Corner, followed by blood donor sessions in your area. That'd be all right. Lost cats? Yeah, all of that. You can laugh. I've done it. Should do it again. Lester Jane says... That sounds like some sort of cowboy. Awesome. Cheese. <laughs> yes. Oh, Edam, Lester Jane. Bit of Lester Jane and Pickle. Lester Jane and Pickle. They're playing the electric ballroom next week. <laughs> Just heard the road trip episode. Wonderful. Are you really doing another? We are. Are we? We Great. are doing at the end of August. We're going in the Mitsubishi Mirage. Mirage? Yes. Don't tell me you don't know what I'm talking about. I haven't come across this one yet. Oh, for goodness sake. It's called a Mirage. Mirage. Right. This thing's flying out of forecourts all over the country. I can imagine. For a very good reason. Because it was the first car designed from the ground up to have luck. You don't get this, do you? No. You don't know what I'm talking about. It's a car. Andre, can you get me Lance Bradley, the managing director of Mitsubishi Motors in the UK, on the line, please? I think that's a good idea, because I think if I'm going to set foot in this vehicle, wonderful though it is, I need to know a little bit about it, clearly. Hello? Is that Lance? Yeah, yeah, hi. Lance, it's Ian at Once a Word. Oh, hi, Ian. How are you? Lance is here, everybody, from Mitsubishi Motors in the UK. He's the managing director. Uh, Lance, I'm sorry to spring this on you and just no. ring you during a, a feature, uh, but I, I'm amidst, uh, frankly, thickness at the moment. Hey. 
And we knew you were the man to help. As you know, we're doing another Mitsubishi road trip yeah. late, later in the year. Uh, the last one was fabulous, and uh, we, we did the whole uh, assault course and all of that. Uh, but, but, of course, last time we were in a, an L200. Yeah, yeah. This time we're in a Mirage, which is a very different car. And I was trying to yes, explain yes. to Sideshow Kev here uh, ah. the, the beauty of this car, yeah. mainly because it breaks new ground in many respects from the design alone. Yeah, it does, and, and I understand what you mean by in, in the midst of, of thickness. I, I probably shouldn't say that, but hey. uh, <laughs> yeah, it's it's the first car ever where the whole range has such low emissions that there's no road tax on any of them. Because you knew about this, well, I, I'd hope you would, because obviously you're the managing director. But I mean, you knew about this like three years ago, didn't you? Yeah, it, it, it was interesting because I, I, I'm, I'm very lucky. I go to Japan reasonably often, and I always try to get down to the design centre about once a year and and it was it was three or four years ago that the engineers showed me two prototypes and what was interesting was that the first thing they said was this one we can get to less than 100 grams per kilometer so there was no talk about how fast it would go how many yeah. people it would sit or anything else but from the first stroke on the on the paper or you know, computer whatever it is now um that was the aim of the car, for it to be as efficient as possible. And, and that was actually the car that became the Mirage. Uh, and that was you know, before a lot of people were really even getting into these conversations about that levels of those levels of efficiency. It, it was long before that. You know, at, at the time, a small car was pretty good if it was 150 grams per kilometer. Yeah. You know, to get to 100 and, and less was was unheard of. So when this was being designed, obviously the you know the team in Japan that clearly know their beans, these are top of their game characters yeah, yeah, that do all of this. Do you think when they were designing it, they had a photo of Sideshow Kev <laughs> up there to make it Kev-proof? Boy. Uh, I actually don't think they had that. I, I know that they did have that. He's a huge inspiration. <laughs> That's kind of an honour, I think. <laughs> well, Lance, you were with us in the L200 when we went around the course. Of course, yeah. Uh, so you've seen Kev's driving? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I know. It's, it's. I'm just amazed that you've had the courage to get back in another car. With <laughs> Look, we'll yeah. give it a go. I didn't knock too many bits off the last one, so. No, you didn't. No, you, you didn't. And you very generously left your sweets in it, as I recall. <laughs> yes, you did. Yeah. yeah. Your opal fruits are still there. Kev. <laughs> Never again. So when we go off on this one later in the year, I mean, obviously it's going to be a totally different experience. Um, but it's not going to be costing us an awful lot in petrol, is it? No, it's not. They do uh, sort of around between 65 and 70 miles to the gallon. Wow. Which, again, is, you know, would have been unheard of a few years ago. Yeah. It's, it's the most efficient petrol-engine small car that you can buy. And it's selling amazingly well. You know, we've literally had to go back to the factory and say, can we order some more? Because it's, um, you know, we, we, we were quite ambitious with our plans for it, but it's been massively exceeding what we expected. There's obviously a range of colours that we can... Uh, I don't know whether we get to select, but I, I, I think we should be in something bright, just yeah. in case Kev does get us lost. We have a very bright green colour that's, yeah. uh, that's attracting a lot of attention. Oh, that's and, good. And that's probably the best uh, the best one because you won't um, even I was going to say if but when you do get lost we'll find it quite easy to find well I was going to say I want to be spotted from that police helicopter that, I saw, <laughs> that, that we see on that television traffic cop show yeah no no danger of that yeah. uh, the green the green's the colour for you then. fantastic um, and well who knows I mean I, I know you're not well you might be coming with us Lance who knows I mean there's <laughs> there's room for somebody in the back isn't there it, it, 
very much depends whether Kev's going to have his sweets with him or not. That's very true, Kev. Uh, I'll have to have a think about Can that. Can you tempt the managing director with <laughs> sweets? That sounds like bribery. It does a bit, doesn't it? It's always open for a bit of bribery. <laughs> uh, listen, Lance, well, we, sorry for the impromptu call no in problem. the middle of your evening, um, but we appreciate your time, sir. No, good to speak to you both again. That little ripple, please. Lance oh, Bradley. Bradley. There you go. He's the main man. He's the fella lending us the car. Which is spectacular by all accounts. Yes, well, I just thought you should be educated on what you're going to be driving. Well, the countdown begins then. End of August. Yep. Us in a mirage. Yep. Driving to where? Endlessly in no particular direction. And recording the whole thing. As we go. If you haven't heard the last Road Trip episode, I'd encourage you to do so. Mm. So that you know what's happening in the next Road Trip episode. Although the next one will probably be... Uh, even more sublime. Uh, there we are. If you've got any questions, uh, you want to fire our way, very simply, you can email them to this man right here. He's Kev, kev at onceaword.com, or to me, ian at onceaword.com, and we try and incorporate as many things as we can. We've got a new feature coming up as well. Is that now? It's now! Welcome to the world of tomorrow! Now, and here we go, everybody. It's a brand new feature. Can we have a cheer, please? <laughs> Ways to make the world a better place. Once in a while, while you're busy being a humble human, you stumble across little areas of existence, be it social, economic, governmental, or just plain personal, where a nugget of everyday life just looks all wrong. <laughs> it could be a law, a type of behaviour, or a corporate regulation that needs a swift kick up the arse, a rethink, a rewire, or a reworking of ideas or notions. With that in mind, we bring you Ways to Make the World a Better Place. Your thoughts on where we can improve the globe. Welcome to our workshop. Kev, do you want to start us off? As is tradition at this point in this podcast, I have two. Hey. Firstly, washing up. It's a bit of a bind, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, no, get and a I, dishwasher. Well, you, dish- you, you're about to say they should invent a machine for that? Yeah, well, I think they already have, in fact. But what's nice about the dishwasher is it's like a big cupboard that you can put all of your crockery in and close it until such time as you need to switch it on and pull the clean stuff out. But there are, Ian, always those items that you can't stick in the dishwasher, like your, uh, your crystal... Or the odd pan, which you'll take the coating Crystal, why, do you live on a 1970s sitcom set? You got a decanter? I would love a decanter. You could get home from work, put your briefcase down, have a have a whiskey. Yeah. You know, before dinner, have some sherry, have some Enver cream. Hey, good work. Can you still get Enver cream? Don't know. I'm going to look, though. We'll get some for next week. Yeah. Anyway, for those items you do have to wash up, this is a way you could make the world a better place. Redesign the humble washing up glove so that... It's not just a you know you've got all these ma- you've got all these things right you've got like your sponge you've got your brush thing you've got washing up liquid. Yep. All I propose to make the world a better place is washing up gloves that have built-in scouring pads on the fingertips and a little button like Spider-Man's web shooters that shoots out a bit of fairy liquid. Tell me. So you fill your glove with so it'd be like milking a cow in your own sink. Yes. You fill your glove with liquid. And are you just some kind of pervert? No, but you, you, you squirt the liquid out and it all You just want to be an action hero, don't you? Well, I think we all do, but you would buy those gloves if they were... So they'd have scourers maybe on one hand, they could have a, just a little twirly uh, sort of jiff brush on the other yes, handle. Yes, It would make the world a better place because yeah. it makes washing up better. That would work a treat. And the other one is, because often public transport uh, comes up on this podcast yep. and we talk about it a little bit, so another way to make the world a better place, what I like to call... You know, in the United States, on airplanes, to stop people stealing aircraft, they have air marshals. I'm going to propose 
queuing marshals. And these are people who, if you see someone who's like in front it. of you, someone's jumping the queue, yep. or, you know, it's taking too long at a ticket machine, for example, the queuing marshal comes out and electrocutes them. <laughs> Tell me that wouldn't stop them With doing it. With a cattle it. prod. It, firstly, you get some tremendous yep. entertainment from people being tased yeah. in the queue. Oh, no, he's going up the front. He's going, he's good. And secondly... They wouldn't do it again, no. so the queuing system is more efficient. Therefore, the world is improved just a tiny bit. Could you apply that to people who don't move up in the queue as well? So yes, not I just pusher in us, but yeah. people who just don't adhere to the uh, the standard rules of queue-based etiquette. Britain is the best country in the world at yeah. queuing. And the queuing marshal, I think, would go a long way to helping that. Uh, here's one. Masturbation. <laughs> There's not enough encouragement for masturbation. Right. And I think there should be more of a campaign out there really encouraging more masturbation. And there's good reason for this. Obviously, since time began, uh, little boys have been told, don't do that, you'll go blind. Well, working on that basis, I'm just looking around at all the cleverest people I know and see and all the like, the greatest academics, all wear glasses. Right. Have you noticed that? I have noticed this. That cannot be a coincidence. No. I'm thinking, look at Stephen Hawking. I mean, there's your, there's your example. That man must have been tickling Yoda behind the ears more profusely than any other human being. His glasses are about six foot thick. <laughs> Stephen Fry, there's another one. He wears a pair of thick old specs. He he's does. Six foot's worth of self-abuse. <laughs> That's why. And he's got a massive bra- There must be a correlation. We need to encourage this. We need TV commercials. Barry Scott could do the ad. He could. Hi, I'm Barry Scott, and I want to talk to you about working. <laughs> Silly bang one out. Everybody <laughs> around the country needs to be told, this is not bad for you, it's actually rather good for you. And the other one I want to throw in uh, is uh, make six-year-olds smoke 40 fags a day. Oh, right. Because they will only smoke for about two days and never smoke again. That's not a bad idea, good really. Idea, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. not bad. Uh, Mary Lamont says, uh, I would ban... Self-checkout points in supermarkets because they incite till rage and the recorded voice is very, very smug. Well, I think that... There's no, now, you mentioned queuing. There's well, no this particular is queuing thing for that, is but there? But they're supposed to be there. If we're, if we're looking at ways to improve the world bit by bit, they're supposed to... Someone has already come up with that and said this will improve people's shopping experience, mm. therefore, therefore improve their lives, therefore improve the world a little bit. But they don't work. No, they well they c- can work, but of course they always tell you to remove the item from the. Well, of they course they do. About five years away from being. But then how bits do you? Kit that how work. do you? In, in the spirit of positivity, and I like to yeah. think that this feature is about positivity as opposed to nearly everything else we do. How do you make it better? How do you make that shopping experience better? Just make the things work. Well, you know, well, there's going to be a t- see the elephant in the room about employment. Of there's an elephant in the room. Yeah, <laughs> that's another new idea. Every room should have an elephant in it. Well, the elephant in the room, of course, is there's going to be loads more uh, self-service malarkey going on. You've already got it with, uh, like, Oyster cards yes. in some train stations. Uh, all manner of places. It's like Starbucks, you can just tap your card and get your card. You know, there's going to be a time when there are no people in these places. So supermarkets won't actually have anybody. There'll be no shelf stacking. No. Well, I mean, this is why high street businesses are going out of business, isn't it? What are you, Mary Portis? Well, <laughs> But that's the thing, though, because people are ordering stuff online. Because that makes their lives better. Anushka says, my suggestion for ways to make the world a better place would be to introduce monthly long weekends. Now, I don't know, what I think she means is kind of like a bank holiday type thing every month. So every month would have a long weekend. Yes. 
That I like would that work. Idea. I like that idea. Yeah, I like that idea. Quit all this. No, nobody knows. Nobody ever knows when bank holidays are, do they? If I said to you, what are the bank holidays for 2014? No one knows when they are. They move no. around. They change. Surreptitious little monkeys. One minute they're at the beginning of the month, then Easter. What's that all about? Easter mooches around like a bastard. It could be, what, one minute it's in March, then it's in April. Nobody knows when Easter is. Well, exactly. So if you have them evenly spaced... Evenly spaced. And people will be happier. It's something to look forward to between holidays and yeah. masturbation. Therefore... That's true. You know... Hi, I'm Barry Scott. <laughs> I'd like to combine long weekends and masturbation. Yes, you could call it a week <laughs> holiday. <laughs> Make the week come quicker. <laughs> Dear, we've descended to this. Uh, Anishka also says, uh, compulsory Sunday roasts. Where do you stand on the Sunday roast? I wouldn't, because I get my, my foot and get slimy and squishy. It's very dirty and hot. Yeah. Yeah. Do you do the Sunday roast? I uh, try to yeah. when I can, although Sundays I tend to go out uh, for, like, pub lunches and things. Which... See, that's changed everything, the pub but, th- but then you could have a little bit of a roast in, in there. And I, I do think the meal times are important, though. I think, yeah. you know, the, if you're sitting in front of TV, uh, just eating and not talking to each other and things, then that's, that's bad. Unless you're on your own, with your TV meal in one hand and your um, souped-up marigold with the shooting-out, washing-up liquid in the other. In, in the other. Well, I love Sunday lunch and I love a Sunday roast, which is frankly extraordinary given the, the way I grew up. Because my mum, who's just a complete panic merchant in the kitchen, I would cut, she would start cooking at about 9 o'clock. Yeah. She had no concept, and still has no concept, of putting stuff away as she goes or cleaning that bit as she goes or putting that to one side or make it's a complete for my mum cooking is an utter nightmare she actually has zero confidence about it so our kitchen looked like Hiroshima on a (laughs) Sunday morning I mean you've never seen carnage like this place and then she would try to do some baking as she was mixing up mints so there was a mixture of flavors and smells and all manner of cack going on. Right. So I should be terrified of, course. of your Sunday roast as a result of that terrible experience. But actually, I love it, so I'm with Anishka on that. It's a nice idea. But with your Sunday roast, though, would you? I mean, are you all about the roast, or do you like a your bit of chicken? Because I was never never a big fan of the lamb. I have to say, who's not a fan of lamb? I'm not a fan of the lamb. But you like Jeffrey Palmer? Well, everyone likes Jeffrey Palmer. He used to slam it in. He did slam it in. We're back to the first suggestion. We again. are. But um, I like the accoutrement. That you would have with like the mint sauce, yeah. and, you know, potatoes. Sure. Still don't like the lamb. Uh, not really. So what's your favourite? Probably chicken. Yeah, chicken can't go wrong. No, but chicken's good, uh, and uh, I'm sure there's a range of vegetarian mm. options which are also excellent. Yeah. If if you like vegetarian. Yeah, and just Veg- to combine that with the first suggestion, <laughs> jerk chicken. Lord Tony C says the death penalty for people that chuck rubbish out of their car window and who do 50 in the fast lane. Good idea. Uh, Mickey says, I know how to make the world a better place. I'd hire Richard Branson as the Prime Minister and Alan Sugar as Chancellor of the Exchequer. Is there anyone who doesn't like Richard Branson? Oh, you. <laughs> look on your face. Well, no, I, I just... I, I mean, it's great that, you know, Branson is Branson and he knows his beans. He knows how to... You know, the, I, I'm just not that fooled by the baggy jumpers. You can't shin that far up the corporate ladder what, without think standing on a few minions, can you? Well, I, well I suppose so. But in which case, he's, he's, his profile is very nicely created and controlled. But I think... He's a fabulous walking PR machine. Yeah. Well, this is why he appears on all well, the Well, even the stuff he doesn't own, people think he owns. So quite a lot of the Virgin brands are owned by other people. I always thought that he did this thing where he would, he would set it up and then he'd sell it to someone else and they licensed the name because he's already got it Pretty set up. Pretty much, I think, yeah. Um... Because that, that certainly happened in the case of the radio station. Yeah. 
Um, do you remember Virgin Cola when he tried to bring out a cola? Yes. Do you remember Virgin Energy? Virgin Energy came in a yellow can. It predated Red Bull by about 10 years. Is that right? Yeah. Uh, and it was brilliant when mixed with vodka, which I don't <laughs> think was the original intention. Lewis in Blackpool says, I'd like to make the world a better place by banning the internet and go back to basics. I hate Wi-Fi, I hate email, I hate social networking, I hate sat-navs. But I think they improve the world in general if used correctly, don't they? Our mate Will Guyard oh, right yeah. now is walking around California wearing Google glasses. Is he? He is on the mooch around California. He's gone to, uh, like, the head... Uh, oh, what do you call it? He's gone to the... Oh, wait, it's the, um, you know, the, pe- the, uh, the... Andre, get me Will Guyatt on the phone from California. Hello? Will, it's Collins. Ian, what are you doing? I'm, what, what am I doing? I'm calling you. We are live on the podcast <laughs> right now. It's an oxymoron. Yes, because some guy said that we should get rid of technology, and I was just telling Kev that you right now are in California, you are live in California, and you are wearing Google glasses. I am, and these things are the future, absolutely. What? Now, for those who don't know, tell us, what are Google glasses? Right, so Google are the first company to have a proper bit of wearable technology, so the idea is this is a computer that goes on your head. It doesn't make you look like Robocop, they look pretty much like a normal pair of glasses. So they look not so. This isn't some massive pair of goggles with a big aerial sticking out your bonce. No, no. It's, they look pretty much like a pair of glasses. Funnily enough, without the glass on the front of them. So they've got the iPad, uh, the sort of pads that go on your eyes. Uh, they've got a bar that goes across the top of your head, and the battery goes behind one of your ears. It's also got a camera on the front. So uh, it's got a camera on the right hand side in front of my uh, right my right eye, and also we've got a small screen which uh, wow. it looks like a tiny cube of glass, and it's actually about twenty five. It looks like a twenty five inch screen when you look through it. So are they heavy? Um, they are heavy, but this is a prototype. The important thing with this is Google has been uh, saying that, they, that they've done this thing called the Explorer edition of the Google Glass, and these are uh, they're demoing these with about 1,500 different people at the moment. Um, and the uh, the production version, which will be about 18 months away, will be much cheaper, and uh, they'll be lighter and more like a proper pair of glasses, I think, than, than, than what I'm currently wearing. So tell us, what what do they do then? What, what, why would we be walking around wearing Google Glasses? What are they? Do they offer well, Commodore 64 emulation, for example? <laughs> well, do you know what? Because it actually uses Android, I'm sure you could do tons of cool things with them yet. And the idea is it got them, Kevin, into the hands of developers so people can try exactly that kind of stuff. But a good example at the moment, so I've been playing around with them today, and um, they, they do kind of what they would expect you'd expect them to do. So, um, for example, like I use the GPS sat-nav to find a local coffee shop, and I had the directions being relayed to me from, uh, from the device in front of my eye. And when I got there, I was able to make a video call to a colleague back in the office to take his order. I was actually able to relay live video as well, so I was looking at, looking at the menu and showing him the menu, and um, I also sent him some photographs of the cakes we were looking at as well. So... Um, <laughs> In, ter- in terms of how it works, it actually works in a much better way than you would imagine it, because they are at pains to say at the moment that it's a prototype. Um, the technology, the actual how it looks needs some refinement, and the software does, but it's actually real and it's working. You can get hold of these things now. I mean, I think there's about 15 or 20 pairs in the UK at the moment, and you'll start seeing more and more of them over coming months. What, was, what are they going to cost them when they come out? 
Well, this is the thing at the moment. They're back, they, they've cost $1,500 to the people who can get them, and you have to be invited by Google to get your hands on them at the moment or have a very, very good reason to be developing software for them. Um, they've said that they want to bring them in, in and around the sort of $500 mark when they come out. So I would imagine in 18 months' time we'll get something for about 300 to 350 pounds in the UK. And the, the thing that's so good about them, and it really is so simple, is, for example, if you're wearing them, all you have to say is, OK, Glass, take a photo, and it will take a photograph of what you're looking at. So wow. um, this sort of really is next-level technology. So when you wanted to ring somebody, did you just say, ring Collins? And it... Yeah, for example, I would say, OK, Glass, call Collins, and I'm, I'm, just, mir- I'm just shielding it now, because otherwise it will probably call you. Um, it, that's how it works. It's as simple as that. And you go online, what you ask, you ask to go on the internet, and you see what internet detail in the screen. Yeah, so what happens is it relays the information to the screen. You can use uh, a very sort of basic internet browser on it, or you can ask it, you can just simply say, OK, Glass, take me to the name of the coffee shop, for example, and it will give you the, uh, the navigation directions on the tiny little screen that overlays your eye, but because of the technology, it looks tiny, but it's, it's the equivalent of a 25-inch uh, computer monitor when you actually see it within your eye. So it really is kind of like having sort of heads-up te- sort of heads display that they had on fighter jets and stuff. And all the movies, you know, like, with, it's a bit like being Robocop, really. Cause it's you properly scary stuff. Yeah, as with all these things, though, Will, it'll only properly take off when the pornographers get hold of it, so to speak. <laughs> it had to be you, Kev, that brought it down to pornography, but well, yeah, I imagine yeah. that. Is it a distraction walking down the road with it going on? You, you know what? People are actually noticing that you're wearing them. That's the bigger distraction at the moment. Um, the other thing that's important is it relays sound, but it doesn't. you don't put headphones into your ears. It actually gets sound into your brain by vibrating your skull. No, no, I'm not, I'm not, I don't like this. No. Too scary. No. Too scary. Tell us one thing, Will. Are Google Glasses a way to make the world a better place? I feel like a bit of a seedy character wearing them, because obviously somebody can... Somebody no change there, then, guy. Somebody at Google could, in theory, see what I'm looking at, but um, I, I think I think this whole wearable technology is going to be something we're going to hear a lot more about. So um, the rumour is here in California that Apple are due to announce a um, an iPhone-style watch in the next month or so, which will be, you know, be able to relay all that information to, you, to, to your wrist. So Fabulous. we're seeing tons, tons yeah. of stuff coming through in this field. Yeah. Back to the first one again, yep, there, Kev. Yep. Listen, don't get don't get hit by a truck, Will. I won't. That's Will Guy from California. California. The Mitsubishi L200 comes with a 125,000 mile five year warranty. In fact, if you bought an L200 today, it would last roughly five years longer than a politician's promise. For more info on the Mitsubishi L200, visit your local dealer. The Mitsubishi L200. No environment too tough. You see, one of the rules of uh, presenting, if there are any rules, frankly, is that you're meant to, at some level, have a acceleration on your voice in order to sound excited about the new feature to come so that you can... Uh, really rev into that feature and sell it as if your life depended on it. But I don't know what the feature is, Kev. Because it used to be the shoebox of shitness. Now it's you've cancelled it, you've Uh, put it on hold. Well, hang on. Nobody knows. I'm discombobulating here. There are a lot of people who want to know what the fate of the shoebox was. But before Ah. we get to that, including him, I'd like to read an email from Enrico. Dear Sideshow Kev, I'm still not clear on exactly what happened to the showbiz shoebox, 
but Collins really bugs me, as he does sometimes seem to be a bit of a know-all about most things. Yeah. My wife and I got really drunk the other night, and before she was sick on me, she mumbled, Yeah, but how much does Ian Collins know about Ian Collins? Whilst brushing chunks out of my dressing gown, it occurred to me that this might be something you could investigate. P.S. Save the shoebox. Well, we will come to the shoebox, but in the meantime... Andre! Give me some Collins Cornucopia quiz-type music! For example, in 2001, Ian Collins wrote a book. I bet you won't read this, Confessions of a Nighttime Radio Host. But how many pages did it have? Ooh. So I've got no choices. No. No multiple choices. Uh, this isn't the shoebox. It had, uh, I don't know, 120 pages. Yes. Did it? It did. did exactly it? 120. For a bonus point, yep. how much would a new copy cost on Amazon this week? Well, there's some ass. I know a couple of years ago, lobbed one on Amazon for about 10 grand or something. What about this week? Go on. £1,151.78 plus £2.80 postage and packing. Money well spent. I think it is. Yeah. How much of that will you see? The, it's out of print. I have no deal with the publisher there. Oh. No. Are you going to write another book? Kev, you know I can't talk about that. Okay. Yeah. Sorry. Anyway, that's not bad. At least you remember. Have I got a point or something for that? Yeah. Is this a quiz? No, no, it's not a quiz. Okay. It's not the shoebox. All right. It's something completely different. Okay. We're seeing how much Ian Collins knows about Ian Collins. Okay. Uh, in 1995, a caller was banned from the popular show Ian Collins and the Creatures <laughs> of the Night as listeners found his somewhat comedic descriptions of what he'd do to the host as, quote, terrifying. Name the caller and where he was calling from. Wow. So what did this caller do? He would phone up and uh. describe what he would like to do to you. It wasn't Jack from Whitechapel, was it? It was. And who was Jack from Whitechapel? Ah, uh, yeah. I've got a feeling it was Mikey Boy Hanson. It's the correct answer. Ah, thank you. Speaking of Mikey Boy Hansen, yeah. here's a question from him. Ian, your question is, why did you have to dump Paul Ross live on air? Why? 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 Now, Can I just ex- yes, explain for- the word dump. Yes. It's not like we finished some relationship. Phone- <laughs> phone- yeah. Although, phone and radio stations have a seven-second delay, yeah. and effectively it means that when you're listening to the radio, mm-hmm. uh, you're, what you're hearing actually happened seven seconds ago, and if somebody swears or says something libelous, you press the button, that seven seconds is gone, the offending comments are removed, and you're back in real time. And, and there's a called, stretchy thing that gets the it dump back button. Up. Yeah, and there's yeah. a stretchy thing that gets it back up to real time. So I had to dump Paul Ross once. You had to dump Paul Ross So once. Paul would have come... We'd have been doing the show, Paul would have been doing the breakfast show, so he probably came in to, uh, to do the handover to tell us what was coming up in the breakfast show, I would imagine. And he must have said something that I had to, I don't know. Paul Ross, pen of the day. (laughs) What what was it? I don't remember. Here's an additional clue. It had something to do with Brian Adams. Still no clearer? No. And the answer is, when he came in to do the handover, he referred to Brian Adams as a Canadian... Quack, quack, oops. (laughs) (laughs) Does that ring a bell now? I don't think he knew we were on air. Brian Adams? Yeah, that Canadian quack, quack, oops. You have to wonder what he was thinking otherwise. It's a beauty. Here's another one. A once slightly sozzled Ian Collins and Sideshow Kev once found themselves sitting in a doctor's office in a big house in Kent. In said office, what did Ian Collins find and examine in some detail and almost spill wine over? Was it... You know what it was, you just don't want to say. 
Was it an X-ray? It was a bunch of X-rays. It was a bunch of X-rays, wasn't it? Which, as I recall, you were holding up to the window and diagnosing patients. <laughs> with a glass of wine in one hand. It was a bit, yeah, a bit wrong, really. Yes, yeah. it was a... Uh, it was a house. Lord knows how we ended up there. Who but it knows? was a, uh, a within the house was a private doctor. <laughs> so we ended up in the room, and I think I had a stethoscope round my you neck did. Yep. and some X-rays in my hand. Yep. And if I remember rightly, one of the X-rays was of somebody famous. Uh, that is the case. Yeah. I'm saying nothing more. I think you should say. I'll be in the chiller. You would be. No, he's still alive, I... which, frankly, by those x-rays, <laughs> I'm, I'm staggered about. <laughs> That's very Even true. I could see what was wrong. Finally, Pokey Bill or Carl the Walrus? Uh, Carl... <laughs> Carl the Walrus was great. Yeah. He just used to do this. Hello. Look, he's back. There's a walrus in the studio. Somebody shoot it, quick. Yeah. Was that the last one? It was. I wasn't keeping track. I just thought that was a little bit of fun. Which brings us to another point. Next week, something will happen that will make a lot of people very, very happy. And it has nothing to do with masturbation. Let's do this. Credit stream. And thank God for that. And despite the rumours, that is your lot. Go home. We are back next week with another episode. Thanks to you for downloading. If you like what we do and want to help support this podcast, get over to iTunes to rate, review, and, of course, subscribe. Android users can try us on the free Stitcher app or download at stitcher.com slash once a word. Thank you to all of our guests. All can be followed on Twitter, as can we, at Ian Collins UK. The intro feature and sponsor music is by Kevin McLeod. His website is incompetech.com. The show's technical operator is Andre Porch. The programme was edited by Joe Marshall. Our researcher was Morrissey. And today's chunky fact comes courtesy of Mike M. in Bournemouth, who tells me that spiders have three willies. Thank you, Mike. Oh, and as ever, the in-show catering was provided by Abdul's Coffee Shack. We're back next week with comedian and all-round nice bloke, Lee Hurst. Until then, goodbye. A Big Things Media production. Big Things! Ian Collins wants a word. (laughs) Powered by the Mitsubishi L200. With a five-year, 125,000-mile warranty, that's as tough and hardworking as you are. And on my team, I have Christopher Biggins. (laughs) 